Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. And uh, we've been through a hot August month. How about that? It'll, it'll be fall before we know it and hit a new season. Matthew 14. <clears throat> Anyone remember what we were talking about last week? None of you. Okay. Well, here we go. Matthew 14. <laughs> Brother Hagin always said, if you want to get a word across someone, you've got to minister 25 times. I think that's what he was talking about. We were talking about getting out of the boat. Now do you remember? Matthew 14, and we're going to read 22 through 31, and then we're going to go to 1 Kings. Matthew 14, verse 22, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitude away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. When the evening was come, he was there alone. And when the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus walked unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he, to my Jesus, said, Come. And when Peter was come out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said to him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? So we kind of ministered out of that context last week about being in a ship. And this is, not, this is a storm. It's not any kind of storm. Uh, different translations, I think, Amplified said this storm is one of hurricane proportions. So... But we're talking about sailors. We're talking about professional fishermen. So no doubt they'd seen this type of storm before. You remember Jesus gave the command to go to, not from the, to go from the side that they were on, to go to another side. I think we can always parallel that with life is sometimes, you know, life's full of change. Have you noticed that? And uh, <clears throat> a lot of times people don't like change. And sometimes the older we get, the less that we like change. And uh, we sometimes you don't you don't even have to be elderly to do that. But I mean, sometimes we get very comfortable with the way that things are. Things are, but the whole world changes. Yes. It's always changing. And there's things that uh, you know one generation doesn't want to accept that the other generation does, or doesn't want to accept you know the technology that comes in. But that's always going to be the same. So when my generation laughs at me, all I say is live on, <laughs> because. It's going to be the same way when you do. You know, they'll, they'll ask you some of the crazy questions they ask me. You know, I've had people ask me when I was a kid, did we have electricity? I said, yes, we had electricity. Did you have, even have a microwave? I said, well, I know what a microwave is. Yes, we had running water, and I didn't ride a horse to, to, uh, to school. And uh, not, I, don't, I don't go that far back, but that was somebody else's generation. But technology keeps on changing. Actually, that's very biblical. You find in the book of Daniel that talks about in the last time, in the very last of the last days, that technology and other things 
uh, inventions, anything that fall in those categories would advance so much in one generation it would just be astounding. And so <clears throat> these things that, that, uh, that have come out, you know, whether it's flight or, or, or travel or however it is, or your, your iPhone, which is if you have a, a smartphone or however you want to call it, it's so advanced that you know it wasn't too many decades ago that no one, almost no one, had a personal computer in their home. Right. It was said in a generation before there would never be a, there, there would never be a need for it. Uh, when the motorized car came out, it was chastised that no one needs this, and then it talked about that that anyone who's traveling over 40 miles an hour, you know, in an automobile uh, with the windows down, could actually suffocate for those type of extreme speeds. <laughs> 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 now, so one day you'll, you know, some of you, some of you won't have to, uh, you'll, you'll try to explain to your kids what a, what a pay telephone was. And then when you went into a booth, you'll, you'll try to tell them how you went into a store to rent a VCR, you know, video, a VCR, then you have to explain what a VCR is and a VCR player and how you went and picked out a title. You drove in your car, spent the gas, went down there and then rented it. And then they'd ask you, did you want protection in case it breaks and all that kind of stuff. You come home and you watch it and then you got to go check it back in. Rewind. Rewind. Yeah, be, be kind, rewind, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you actually stood in line to go do this. And you, you went through all the new releases when they can just simply hit something on their, on their, on their phone and just watch it. And it's just amazing. Now there's always, there's downsides to technology, I think, is when you go to a restaurant or you find people, sit, find families sitting in, the, uh, in one room together and they're texting each other asking, could you get me a drink of water or would you do this? And they're like, you're right there. I mean, you, you just, just talk to me. <laughs> How many of you went to a restaurant and watched everybody at the table going like this? I, I don't think that's so good. Um, you know, we, we, we need communication. We need, it, we need as much time together as we can, especially with your family. And we need to, uh, sometimes to do you good to put the telephone off. I keep mine with me all the time for emergency purposes, but, uh, but it's really good in the sense of the fact that we can have, that we're not so new in technology that we don't have, you know, human time. Yes. And so, uh, but there's always gonna be change and uh, some change you may adapt into and others you're just gonna resist. Well, the, the, the world keeps on moving on. I mean, someone, was, uh, I've heard talking about Coach Saban, he's, he said he doesn't know how to text and he doesn't, know, he doesn't wanna know how to text. He doesn't email and he doesn't wanna know how to email. But when you make $11 million a year, you can pay anyone to do anything that you don't wanna do. <laughs> right? You can hire and fire and whatever. But some of us, uh, I, I remember thinking when, te when, when people were texting, I thought, I'm not doing that. I just, you know, I like that. But I see, I see advantages to doing that. And uh, I see help. And, you know, when you get on the phone, you're trying to find a place, you know, it's just sometimes your phone can help you get there, right? Right. For, so, th so those of you, if you don't know this, it may help you to know this. You're, if you go to your phone, like I, don't, like I know much about it, but you can change the voice. <laughs> you know, for a man who's, who's generally has a woman speaking to him all the time, telling him what to do. If you need directions, you can actually change it to a male voice and you can have a man tell you to do what to do for a while instead of a woman. I'm just saying, I mean, that doesn't bother me. <clears throat> and, the, and they're not always right. Have you ever noticed that your phone's not always right? We went to do a funeral, you know, Wednesday in Tuscaloosa and, and it said, you arrived at your destination on the left, she said. And I said, 
Sorry, baby, you're wrong. Everything's on the right. <laughs> Don't know how you missed that. <laughs> I mean, there's a funeral home and acres and acres of a graveyard and there's nothing but woods over there. So you're wrong. <laughs> but she wanted to say, uh, but I got you, I got you to a place where it's in view. So, you know, it's, it's good. Well, so here, here they are. They're in a ship, but they've gone, they've gone with a word from God. Jesus is the word. Amen. And he has a word for all of us at different times in our life. And sometimes the word comes... And it's a transitional word. And transition is a time that sometimes people don't like. It's a, it can be very awkward when you're going through transition. Because you're trying to figure out what's going on in the transition. It's not like it used to be. You're not sure what's going to be. But you just know that this is not the way it's supposed to be. But sometimes you're just in a transition of going from one place to the other. They had already had to have some supernatural ministry uh, before this where Jesus fed upwards to 15,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Right after that is when he told them to get into the ship, went to the other side. Uh, just recapping some of last week, you know, Jesus didn't watch the, the weather channel, obviously. If he'd have watched the weather channel and went by all natural uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, information that would not have been available, he would have known not to get into a ship. You know, so apparently, you know, he didn't have a meteorologist. Jesus wasn't following one. Well, but he did tell him to go on the other side. And any time Jesus gives you a word, know this, that the ability to do it is in that word. It doesn't look like you have the ability to do it. It doesn't mean uh, I, I just shuck it down real. Most times that you get something from God is something that's going to require everything called faith. If it does not require faith, if it doesn't call, require you to believe for something, uh, then I, I really question whether the word that you got is from God. You know, it, might be, uh, it might be that it was, but most things that God's going to ask you to do, tell you to do, give you a command to do, is going to be something that you can't do of yourself. If you have the ability to write the check every time God tells you to do something and just step out and do it, just soon tell, I, I don't think it's God. Amen. I'd say more times than not. So it's, it's going to require faith. It's going, to, it's, it's going to require discipline. It's going, to, it's going to require a time and season that you're waiting on Him. And it's going to require stepping out. Amen. So stepping out is, is sometimes very awkward. And sometimes it seems like it's a risk. And it is. It's a natural risk. And uh, uh, those who want the fruit have to go out on the limb. If you don't want to go out on the limb, you're not ever going to get the best fruit. And there, there was a bunch of disciples who stayed in the boat. But there was one who got out. And of course it was going to be Peter. And, you know, you could hear it both ways. You know, some people preach this and they just, they just chastise Peter because, he, because of what he did and because he doubted. Well, he did doubt, and that's why he began to sink. He saw the wind, right? And it was boisterous, and then his mind took over and said, what am I doing? Step, I, I can't walk on water because of what he saw. I mean, it's kind of funny if you think about it. You think it would have been in the possible realm if the wind hadn't been blowing? I mean, just draw some water in the bathtub, see how you do. Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't, you don't have to have wind to make it possible or impossible, impossible, right? So he was already doing something impossible, but he did walk, and he walked on the water. Peter's the only disciple in the boat that walked on water. Yes. It's only when he took his eyes off Jesus and when, when, when he forgot the word that was already given to him, a word came. And always know this, that the, that the word always precedes the doing. But then after the word, there has to be a doing. 
And uh, so we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, and so here, you're, you're not going to be able to know it all, and you're not going to be able to figure it all out. But it's going to be whether you're going to stay in the, on the boat, you know, because they could have just stayed there and talked about for two years how 15,000 people was fed with a two-fish-piece two dinner. It'd be like the church now talking about the Great Revival of 19 or the 1800s. And we just meet and talk about it every week. What God did way back when. But he said it's time to go to the other side. Amen. You might have been good on this side, but it's time to go see more and do more and experience more. Yeah. Now, I, I want you to go, with that in mind, I want you to go to 1 Kings 17 to a very um, favorite uh, passage of Scripture of mine. No doubt there's been hundreds and not thousands and thousands of sermons. And I think it would be very appropriate for all of us today. And I think it's very appropriate for what Emily's doing in her, in her uh, new season of life. <clears throat> First Kings 17, page 598. If you have a Bible just like this. You there? First Kings 17. First off, we're just going to read verses 1 through 4. And Elisha the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, to my king Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Now, let's just do a little context of what's happened here. Elisha was given a commandment of God. He was given a word from the Lord. And the word was for him to go speak a word. God gave him a word, and God said, go to King Ahab and, and give the word. Now, if, if, if you don't know, then let me, let me help you fill in some blanks. King Ahab, if you were a Christian much less if you were a prophet, you would not want to go seek out King Ahab. Uh, they aren't Christian friendly, and they certainly weren't prophet friendly. They had prophets. They had hundreds of them. <clears throat> but they were all, uh, <laughs> they were not prophets. They were demonic, if anything else. And so they were trying to replace God with what they were going to call prophets. And uh, <clears throat> so they had hundreds of them. And so it really wasn't the safest place in the world to be was to even go seek, seek out King Ahab. Do anyone know, does anyone know what his wife's name was? Her name is Jezebel. Now, do you know who Jezebel is? Okay. And so to go deliver a word from God to Jezebel and to King Ahab is <clears throat> kind of like a death wish. So he had to make a decision. Do I, do I keep this word or do I just know, know the information? See, he knows the information. The information is God said there's not going to be rain for three and a half years after you speak it. That's quite a word, isn't it? Yes. Now, now, here's a man who doesn't like you at all. And his wife hates you worse than that. And you're going to go and say, uh, this is what's about to happen to everyone and to you. There won't be one drop of rain after I speak it for three and a half years. Now, they already don't like you. This is where texting long distance would have been really good. <laughs> Not at the table, but there, there wasn't texting and there wasn't a phone booth, right? And uh, so he had to go deliver this in person if he was going to do it. 
And so he, he took that word and he sent that word. He decided and he, he chose to obey God. And now here's some things and we'll just pull out some things out. We'll just kind of unpack these scriptures here just a little bit. You have to realize that Elisha did not know what God was going to do. All Elisha knew was the word that God had given him. God just spoke one word to him. To him. See, we, we, we read it in context of verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. But he knew that he was going to need protection after delivering this word if he even lived through it. God didn't promise him protection right. until after he delivered the word. That's why he probably like, mm, see what I'm saying? Really didn't want, rather send an email. <laughs> so I think it's verse probably what, um, three that says, now go the hence and turn the eastward. See, after the word was given, then verse three came another word. And then that word was what? It was another direction. Now that you've delivered the word, now get the hints and turn eastward. Hide, hide yourself. Now why do you need to hide? Because now the drought's taking place and these people are looking for you. King Ahab and Jezebel is now looking for you. They already didn't like you, but now what you said is actually coming to pass. And now they're looking for you to take your life. And God says, you need protection. Why do you need protection? The mafia's on the way. Right? So they needed protection. So God knew where to hide them. He knew the protection that was going to be necessary, and he knew that he was going to need provision. Well, God's kind of in this habit of thinking he knows everything. Have y'all ever noticed? And he doesn't need much input. He doesn't need you to figure it out with him. He, he really believes he's large and in charge, right? So they didn't receive this word about he didn't receive a word about God supernaturally doing anything for him ahead of time. God didn't make promises ahead of time, said, if I do this, this, and this, will you go do this and this? He said, go do this. Exactly. Hmm? Amen. You know, a, a lot of our ministry, which, which is good, is ministering to people and saying, God loves you. He's, he's going to protect you. He's meeting your needs. God feels your pain. A lot of that's on the emotional realm, and all that can be true. But here's the other side of being a disciple of Christ or a Christian. God wants you to do what he tells you to do right. because you're a disciple of Christ, because you're a child of God. Right. right? It's, it's not all hug, hug time. Sometimes just get, get up and get busy. Yes, sir. I got two amens out of that one. Okay. So, right. right? In other words, we're, we're the body of Christ. In other words, if, if your body wouldn't carry out the orders that you gave from the command center, you'd never get to work. You might say, all right, but you never get to the kitchen table either. Nope. Right? You wouldn't get to the fun places you want to go to. Nope. So your body has to give, a, as the command center has to give commands to your body, let's get up and go to go do this kind of thing. Well, he's the head and we're the body. So when the head gives a command, it expects the body to carry it out. Okay? But I, I'm just saying he didn't receive this word about being supernaturally supplied for until he had faithfully executed the first word God gave him. We can always go back and wonder sometimes, you know, I don't know what to do. I found it more times than not, I had to go back and remember what God told me the first time. In other words, God doesn't give advanced directions or orders beyond the first order. Right? You, you, you ever been on a long trip and take the smartphone or however you're doing it, or your, your car does it, and you, and uh, well, like they'll be going, you know, to Oklahoma next week, and 
you know, if you if you've never been there, would you want your phone or your or your car, however you're going to use it, to just give out the, all the directions at one time? So when you've never been, you'd like, whoa, 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 just just tell me tell me as a what? <laughs> tell me as I go. Right. If you've never been there, do, do you want all the directions for 700 miles all at one time? No. no. That's like that's malfunction. Well, God knows that you can't handle that. And he's a God of faith. So all we need really is what? The next step. What is the word he give? What is the word he's given you? Did you hear it? Did you get it? And what is your next step? Are you listening to me? What is your next step? What is the word that he gave you? Was it something he spoke to you or was it something someone spoke to you? Someone like me or someone, maybe you was in a meeting. Maybe God just spoke to you in prayer. Maybe, maybe someone in, uh, of a ministry person or, or someone that you really trust has given a word to you and it, and it registers with your heart. Now, if it's not registering with your heart, I always say put it on the shelf and some of them don't even put it in the shelf, get it out of the pantry and everything. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll get a word and it's not, generally when you get a word from the Lord, it's not really for that season, it's for another season. Yes. So it doesn't always make sense when you look around the room because you say, well, I don't know what, what they're talking about, but, but a word, because God always speaks the end from the very beginning. And then he'll go back and start, but he always speaks the end result before you ever start. And so the word may not make sense here in the natural mind, so just always keep the word close to you. And sometimes it's been a word from the Lord that came, a prophetic word that came forth that held me in those tight places when I didn't even know there was going to be a tight place. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's like a big ship having to go through a small channel of water and you're wondering, how are we going to get this thing through here? But if you'll just stay steady and you'll just keep doing what the Lord told you to, you'll come out into a wide place. Right? You know, there's a reason why God told you not, in the Scripture not to worry. You know why? Because He meant it. You was looking for something deeper than that, wasn't you? <laughs> to you, wasn't built for it. Worry caused nothing but stress. Number one kill in America is what? Heart disease. Yes. Heart attacks, heart disease. You know what most of us brought on, board, uh, brought on by? Undue stress. Yes. yes, nutrition, all that's part of it. Or not nutrition, but bad nutrition. But, uh, but, but a lot of it is just undue stress. And that's why we've allowed ourselves, we load our, ourselves up, we load our lives up, the thing that's undue. We, we, we take the cares of this life when we're, we're never to. One thing God tells you is don't take the cares of life. And I see that's good news, right? God says, I'm your father and, and don't take this care. Cast your care upon me. So God wants us to let him be the father. Let him take the cares and you take the cares and you give them to him because he's big enough to do it, knows how to do it and knows all the answers. And he's for you and not against you. OK, so he said. You know, in, in Matthew, he, he says, he says don't, don't worry about your life, about today or tomorrow. You know, he says, because that's what the, that's what the Gentiles do. He says, they're wondering, how are we going to eat? How are we going to get clothed? How are we going to pay the bill? How are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to do this? How do we do that? Everyone has that. Why? Because we need something in this life called money. Is money important? Yeah, we can talk about, can you talk about money in church? Yeah. We talk about it everywhere else. So why can't we talk about it in church? You know, they don't just give us this place and the power company say, oh, if y'all church, we won't, we won't just use the power. I mean, we, we would not dare charge that. No, it's so we've always said it this way. If you've never heard it, this might make sense to you. It's okay. It, it's okay to have money as long as money don't have you. As long as we don't covet the money, right? So it's better to have money than what? Not have money. Y'all agree? Is it better to have money than not have money? I always say it's better to have more of it than less of it. 
And it's better to have it quicker than yes. sooner than later. Yes. That's my thoughts about money. Yes. All right. So money's just neutral, has no personality. It's not good nor evil. It doesn't do what it does until it gets into your hand. Exactly. Then it becomes the extension of really what's in your heart. Yes. Wow. Right. If you put it into a drug dealer's hands, it's going to it's got a function to put it into your hand. It's got another function. If you're hooked up, like for the core program, to take the ministry around the world and support the local church, it gets into your hand. God knows exactly what he can trust you to do. But if it gets in the mob dealer's hand and he's, and he's going to further his cause, he, and money is just totally neutral. So if, 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 if you're for the Go God program, I just made that up, by the way. Anyway, if, if you're on God's program, not only does God want you to have, but he needs you to have. Not only does God want to meet your needs, he needs you to be rich. I should get some better amens than that. I just told you that God needs you to be rich, and y'all act like he's mad about it. Now, if I told you God needs you to be poor, oh, okay, there we go. Now, I just want to make sure I'm with the right. What's the name of that sign out there? Grace Life Church, so. So here he is. So Elijah gets a word from God. Now, once again, Elijah has one word, right? What's his word? The one word is what? Go tell King Ahab, ain't going to be no rain. Three and a half years, not going to be no rain. Did he tell him anything else? No, that's, I mean, that's the only thing that really we have recorded in here is go tell King Ahab. He's, he's like, I know Elijah's like in person with Jezebel out there. You want me, a prophet. Go to, I can't text, no. Go tell them this, that uh, rain cut off. He said, according to the word of Elijah. Accord, the, the, the word of the Lord said it won't rain according to the word of Elijah. Did you know that God can use you, will use you, has used you, wants to use you to speak some things out? He'll put a word in your heart and it'll happen according to the word that you spoke. Yes. <laughs> The word that, that you spoke. Amen. Amen. All right, now let's move on a little bit. <clears throat> so uh, did Elijah know everything, how was, everything was going to turn out? No. Did he, know, did he know that God was going to supernaturally provide for him before he gave this word? Did God give him any clue as to how he was going to take care of him? No, he, he had no clue. Once again, he had one word from God. Go. Say this. And then God said, now you need protection. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most of it was like, well, if I'm going to talk to them, uh-uh, we're going to need some armor bears. <laughs> we're going to need some ushers up in here with some spears, right? Because Jezebel's going to be there. I'm going to tell her, all them bass you're taking out there, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're not going to be no water for all that. <laughs> but God didn't give him all that. And so uh, Elijah didn't have any foreknowledge of the end result. You go through a new season. You got a new adventure in God. You got, you're going to step out and do something. You're going to get out of the boat, something you've never done before. Sometimes, sometimes you didn't step out of the boat. Sometimes someone threw you out of the boat. <laughs> it's like some of you, when you grew up, Someone told you, you know, about swimming or, you know, you, granddad said, you don't know how to swim. And they grabbed you by the nap of the neck and the, and the britches and they threw you out there and they said, learn. You know, DHR gets you for that nowadays. But anyway, 
I always said if there had been a DHR, my mom was around, she'd still be serving. But anyway, <laughs> she could get a lot out, uh, out of kids. So they didn't have any foreknowledge of the end result, none whatsoever. So scripture reveals the second word protection came after he, he successfully executed the first word. Right. Now, here's something uh, that, um, that I think is, because sometimes you just read a story and it becomes a story, but you, we have to understand that God does work in steps. Sometimes people say, well, they preach all these steps, this step, this step, this step, this step, the 14 steps of this, the eight steps of that. I know that can be monotonous sometimes, but you, you do need to understand that God does work by steps. Yes. He said he orders our steps. Yes. He orders our steps. Is that right? Yes. In other words, sometimes people, you know, they come to church and they hear about money or they hear about giving, they hear about tithe. And they're for like a lot of Americans, they're living on 30 percent more a year than they make. Then they come to hear church and hear about tithe. It's ten percent, and you know, even even in the giving part, even in the giving part, Jesus said that giving is the smallest act of faith that you'll ever do. Sometimes we think it's the most, but Jesus says, He said this is the most simple step of faith that you'll ever do is is in giving or the tithing. In other words, we say, oh, well, I you know. Uh, one day I'm going to go do this and I'm going to go do that. Or I'm going to do this or I'm going to go do that. Well, I mean, it, 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 if I can't jump from here to Mr. Bill, if I can't jump from here to Brother Bill, how am I going to jump from here in one single step to the road? Right. Right? right? So it does come in increments. It does come in steps. It's just like with the, my missionary friend here. Because I know about I know about his, his ministry. I, I know that God didn't unveil what he's doing in the, in, the, in the country of Peru all at one time. There was a door that was opened, and he walked through that door. He saw some things. He heard some things. God gave him a command, and that was just the beginning. Right. That was just the very beginning. As he walked through that door, he saw more, and he heard more, and is doing now more after about 10 years than, of course, than when he started. Exactly. Right? Amen. Now, it requires more. It requires more help, and it requires more provision, but it doesn't start there. Have you ever noticed the natural order of school? They don't start you at the 12th grade and work your way to the way down. They start at the first grade and work you on the way up. Exactly. Have you noticed that they have something, some kind of math every year? In other words, we start off counting on our fingers and maybe our toes. And we memorize the multiplication table. Some of you never did. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I did that here the other day. Was I asked, what's three times eight or nine times three? And it's like, oh. But it was on a Wednesday night, so I think I, I had to. He was like, come on, it's 27. <laughs> Actually, Lexi got it. She's like, well, go, girl. And... Uh, yeah, so uh, so there's math every there's math all twelve years, right? But you start off with the basics. One plus one is two, you know. Then then you get into a little bit harder math. Then you get into fractions. Then you get into, boy, I, I hated the day they they brought in long division. Man, I could have used my smartphone in like. And you get into the algebra, and you're like, Pastor Buzzy said, they're trying to teach him pi squared. He said, it is not. It's pi is round. <laughs> My mom ain't never made no square pi. <laughs> he didn't even know what they were talking about. 
pie square. <laughs> so that's the way it is in walking with God. You, you, you're walking out in steps and everything is a step of faith. Yes. It's a step of faith. You know, the, the ability once again for Peter to walk on the water was in the words that Jesus had come. Right. But that, that's really all you have to have is a word from God. Right. All you have to have really is a word from God. Now, you don't have to go to every meeting because people like to go to meetings where someone's prophetic. Because if you come here, you might get a word. If you go there, you probably get a word. Well, that's, that's fine. You may get a word, but you, but you kind of need to grow up and find out there's thousands of them right here. Amen. And I, can I just be honest with you? I found out most of them, I hate to say this, but over 90% of them are usually wrong. Yep. Got really quiet in this Presbyterian <laughs> place, didn't it? Brother Hagin, I was sitting, Brother Hagin said that when he was getting words, he said every time he went somewhere, he said everyone was prophesying to him the same thing, same thing during the Voice of Healing days. Fourteen years, there's like a supernatural emphasis on healing, and everybody had tents, but the Lord told him to stay in a neutral place like in a hotel. He said, every, Brother Hagin said, every meeting I went to, everyone prophesied. He said, big name ministers. Everyone says, the Lord said, get a tent, get a tent, get a tent, get a tent, get a tent. And the brother, Brother Hagin said, the only problem with that is God said, don't get a tent, don't get a tent, don't get a tent, don't get a tent, don't get a tent. So what's you going to do with a word? So if someone gives you a word and it doesn't register it here at all, either put it on the shelf or forget it. Right? It doesn't mean that they're, not, they're evil, nothing's wrong with them or they're possessed. People can just miss God. Amen. But we ought to give people enough room, you know, and, uh, and be uh, forgiven enough to understand that people could miss it. Right. But put it on the shelf. I mean, if you never thought about being a missionary, and I just walk up to you this morning and said, the Lord says you're a missionary, and he wants you to go to, uh, to China next month. Sell your house, all that, get rid of everything, and move to China. How, how many are you going to move on that word just like that, just because I said it? You might respect me, and, and, and I appreciate that, but I, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't go on that word, right? So I'm not telling you to go to China. There's enough made in China already. Trying to stop some of the stuff made in China. So here, so here we are. So he had this word. He stepped out with the word. He gave the word. Then God gives him another word. Now, God tells him in verse uh, 4, And it should be that thou should drink of the brook. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. And so when you, if, if you do a little geography, if you look up the word Cherith, the, the, that brook or stream, whatever you want to call it, they don't, I, I really couldn't get it definite, but it's only a few miles long, somewhere between three to six miles long. So we don't know exactly where that Elijah was. But did you know that Elijah had to be hearing from God in order in the footsteps to know where to go? Right. He had to know exactly where God wanted him to go in the brook. You know, if, if it was just a, say, we, we might have thought a brook was just like, well, it's right here. Well, no, it's, it's a few miles long. In other words, if, if I said, hey, after church, if y'all will, just come on to Alabaster, I'll buy you lunch. And that's all I tell you. Or, or just come on up to Jefferson County and we'll have lunch again and I'll, and I'll buy. It's on me. Well, that's pretty good. Maybe. But Jefferson County kind of has got a little circumference to it, right? So unless you got one of those things on your phone that tells you where I'm at, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Parents know what I'm talking about. They got teenagers here. They got this thing on their phone, whatever. And uh, some of you kids might have a 
something on the back of your ear they put in there while you're sleeping and they, they know everything. That's right, Zach, just so this, don't wash behind your ears every night. <laughs> well, so we, we, we try to figure this out with our minds and when God gives us something to do, like go to Bible school, go to core program. For us, for years ago, it was like go to Rama. It's, uh, we, we get this thing and say, go, that's 700 miles away. Oh my gosh, how would I do that? So your mind goes to try to figure this whole thing out. It, it tries to work the details out. How can I do this? Uh, start a business? How, how do you do that? I mean, we have friends years ago that was, you know, um, from um, South Alabama, and his company was, his company was, uh, well, like a lot of companies come merging together. This company buys three or four more, and then it's only like three people in the field instead of ten people. When I was in floor covering, it was that way. And when I left the year, when I left back in 1995 to go into ministry, the big players of uh, carpet companies was buying up the small ones and becoming these great big huge conglomerates and really I mean you thought you had 10 accounts and now you have two accounts right. and I was like well, how did I end up with one credit line and I had 10 of them <laughs> and uh, so that's what was happening to this guy here he was working for you know a, a mill like a paper mill wood mill and his was being bought out and then they were going to send him to a place that he didn't want to go that he didn't want to go back to. And so he, he was just seeking the Lord about what to do. And the Lord said, well, you're not going to, uh, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to start your own mill. And he said, start your own mill. And uh, I remember he told me, he said, uh, he said, just from what I know about what it might cost to do that, I think he said, uh, he said, Lord, that that probably cost 20 $20 million. The Lord said, no, it'll cost 30. <laughs> now, how is it the Lord knows what it would cost to start a mill? I said, uh, I asked him, I said, when it was all over, I said, how much did it cost to get that thing up and going? He said, 30, 30 million. But the steps of it wasn't all laid out. Go do this, and then God give you a punch list this long of this is what I'm going to do if you'll go do it. Um, he knew one thing. He'd have to have an investor, and he knew he wasn't it. And so he went through a series of people to talk to him, many of which believed in his idea, said that was a good place in Alabama for forestry to do that. But they, weren't, they didn't have that type of you know, wealth to be able to do that. And so his plan looked like it was dead. It's like he hadn't heard from God. And so he went and presented this to a guy. And he says, hey, this is a great idea, but, but I, I, I can't get involved with this. I don't have that kind of money. He said, have you thought about so-and-so? And he says, well, it was a guy he just kind of knew of, but didn't have the relationship like the people he'd been speaking with. So this guy, I think, made a call for him, set up an appointment for him, for a, um, a friend of ours to, to go and talk to him. And so he went and talked to the, this guy, which would be the potential investor. It took him two and a half hours to present, this is what we would do, this is where we would build it, this is what it would cost, this is, who, uh, this is where we would get our stuff, this is who would run the place for us, this is their area of expertise, these are the people that would buy from us, had the whole thing, spreadsheet, all worked out. 
He said, it took me two and a half hours, and the guy acted like he was not even in the room, wasn't even interested. At the end of his presentation, he, he thanked him for coming, and that was it. Never heard, never heard from him. And so he's like, it, it's dead in the water again. But see, he had a word from the Lord. Right. See, sometimes there's a navigation process. Right. You know, just because God said, you know, there's times all of us have, have given something in, the, in an offering where the God led you to do it, and it was an amount you wasn't planning on doing, but that ever happened to you? Two of you. And so, the, but, but you gave, sometimes it's, it's more than what you thought it was going to be because it was so much, and maybe it was all that you had. It was so, was so overwhelming that you, God said it and you did it, that you thought the angels would be at your house, you know, with a gold pot before you got back. Anyone ever felt like that? It's like, because you obeyed God, we were sent that quick. You let go of that whole hundred dollars at one time. Whoa. Heaven has rocked and we're all here at one time. <laughs> but there's a little bit of a navigation process in the whole thing. And so when he went and talked to the, to, to the guy, he, he, he didn't say anything to him. He said, I mean, he was like he was going to fall asleep the whole time. So after the thing was all over, this man called uh, my friend back and he said, uh, he said, hey, could you come by and let's go over again and, and tell me what you told me two or three weeks ago? He said, well, yeah, sh sure. So he did and he went and he laid it all out. He said, I did everything I'd already done. And when he got through, the man said, which ended up being the investor of the $30 million. He said, that'll work. Well, my friend, I knew it would work, which is what he told him two and a half weeks before then. <laughs> so he said, let's, all right, let's go forward. And they worked out all the deals. And we're going to, it's going to take a year to build this plant. And then, we, then you're going to run it for us. And it's all going to work just like this. So they did all the natural things and created the, you know, the, the corporation and the board and all that kind of stuff and started hiring people and, you know, it took a, a lot of money just to get it up and going, ready for it to, to be an operation like that. But before he left that day, he asked the guy, which is now going to be his boss, you might say, he said, can I ask you one question? He said, yeah. He said, you know, this is what I told you two and a half weeks ago and you didn't seem interested. He said, well, to be honest with you, I, I really wasn't interested. I had enough going on. I didn't want to get involved in nothing different. He said, okay. He says, well, can I ask you another question? Yeah. Well, how did two and a half weeks change that? He said, well, <clears throat> I now know that God wants me to do this. He said, well, how do you know? He said, I haven't had one night's sleep since you left here two and a half weeks ago. Wow. He said, I got a lot of money, but I can't live without sleeping. <laughs> and God wants me to do this. <laughs> so may some people stay awake till they obey God to help you out. <laughs> well, so sometimes we try to figure the whole thing out, and we really shouldn't. And uh, so God didn't, didn't tell Elijah what he was going to do. He didn't say, if you'll do this, I'll do this, did he? And uh, he was just faithful. He was faithful to go speak the word. He was faithful to, to deliver the word to King Ahab. And then God told him to the next place of protection. So what hinders us sometimes is we're, we're wanting the end result. We're wanting God to fill in all the blanks. When, when I left here in 1992 to go to Ramah, I had lots of fill in the blanks. Most of them were all financial. You know, I had three small children. And, uh, and I was going to be working kind of part-time, almost full-time, 
and then going to school full time. And uh, people said, well, did the, did the money work out? Well, yeah, it worked out, but there was a lot of, I, I didn't make it to Oklahoma. I ran out of money in Little Rock going there. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was penniless in Little Rock. I ran completely out. I, I'm not even to my destination. And then we were told that we were going to be paid so much in advance when we got there, and then they said they didn't tell us that when we did get there. So now I'm there hundreds of miles away from home with a family, and I don't even have a $5 bill. You think that feels good? And then I won't get paid for two and a half weeks. And the only gas I have is in the car, and I've already rented the house, but I can't even go buy a loaf of bread and some bologna. And I got a bunch of little ones all around me. And everything in my head said, you're an idiot for leaving home. You, owned a, you had a business, you could have ran a business, you could have owned a business, and now, idiot, you can't even buy baloney. Someone said, well, why didn't you just get in your car and go back? I didn't have any gas to go back. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know, sometimes you, you think you just exaggerate the story, we couldn't buy baloney. I couldn't buy baloney. I didn't have a dollar left. And I had to borrow the money from Matt to get, from Little Rock to go to Oklahoma. So when I say I, I didn't have nothing, I didn't have nothing. Wow. Absolutely nothing but a word from God. You know how you start a church and no one asked you to start one? From a, from a word from the Lord. You think someone was contacting me to ask me to start something? No. You know what I own to start a church with? Nothing. I didn't have one chair. I didn't have a podium. I didn't have one microphone. I didn't have a cord. I didn't have anyone saying that was going to help do anything. I just had a word from the Lord. What he, you know what he told me to do, go do? He said, go teach my people faith. And I said, what people wear? With, with, with what? Come on, preacher. Huh? I walked, off, I walked off with the word of God with 20 people to go full time, thinking this is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. And I, st and I still had this company, which was very comfortable because I, at least I had a weekly provision. And he said, leave that behind. Showed me a big hand. It looked like an umbilical cord that, that come and severed from here. And this was the vision I had it, in a dream. He, uh, there was the, the floor cover store and there was me. Some reason I was on the outside of the store because he was telling me to go out. And I saw this big hand is like an umbilical cord and it was severing the supply from that to me. You know, you know, so the way I started church was with the word from the Lord. So people say, how do you start a ministry? Better hear from God. And I tell you along the lines of passion, if God ain't told you to do it, you better stay away from it. Because this thing will eat you up and spit you out. Hmm? You say, no, I'll be dealing with Christians. Yeah, you, 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 better, listen to what, you better listen to what I just told you. Yeah, you're going to deal with something. Mm-hmm. Huh? There's some nicer heathens and more committed heathens. But I, but I, but I love what I'm doing. I don't love everything that I'm doing. You know, do, do you like everything of your job? There's some things I don't like to do. You know, and here's how you spell ministry in case you ever wondered. It don't start with an M. It starts with a W. W O R K. I mean, I've got up many mornings and I, and I got on my staff and I told them I'm sick of this lazy, lousy, you're not getting this done and that done. And it's time to get up and get with it. 
tell my staff, I said, now you listen here, buddy, and you listen right here. When I tell y'all to do something, I'm expecting results. So when I give you the word, you get with it. I give them a good what for, and they get to get out the moving. <laughs> See, if you, if you think all this is is ministry right here, this is a big part of it, but this is not all of it. This is the, actually the smallest part of it. Huh? You know, so, and there's lots of people that resist this part of it. Just look at the chairs around you. Right? Like, well, you know, I'm kind of busy. I'm a little bit tired. I've been tired a lot. You say, well, what happens to the money that didn't come in? It didn't come in a lot. There was a lot of times it didn't come in. The money didn't come in lots of times. Oh. Well, how much do they pay you? They don't pay me nothing. It's you believe God it comes in or it doesn't. What do you happens if it doesn't? Well, it's the same way on the business. Nathan does, I mean, does, who promised you a check every week if you work for Nathan's Paint and Body? Then, yeah, his staff and my staff. Scott, your staff about the same? I talked to a pastor last night, and I said, uh, so what you been doing all day? I mean, I'm going to touch you. He said, well, I've been hanging signs and doing this and fixing the commode and I'm trying to glue base back up on the wall. I said, well, I know who your staff is. I said, I was kidding with him. I said, you ought to turn that over to the staff. He said, I did. And now I'm trying to get all this tar off my, off my fingers. So he said, I did that for nine and a half hours a day. And the guy that was going to set it, put on preach for him a day says, he, he, he just don't feel like he can. And that was a quarter to ten last night. Wow. Bunch of weenies. <laughs> Hmm? So you got to be a little bit tough to do this. Yes. And if you need much of this, you're going to be on some type of pills. <laughs> <laughs> Happy pills. I remember praying for someone. I, I, I was just shocked at the very beginning because, you know, I, I didn't, I never been in ministry. I just never been in ministry. And I was shocked at what I was doing and what the situations were. I, and this was years ago. And we was in the Clanton church. And I remember laying hands on folks, you know, for healing or whatever your need was, letting them come up. And I had this couple. They weren't that old, but they were, man, I, I, I'm talking about we just getting started. You understand? We're, we're trying to get the yes. first everything. Yes. You know, help, chair, whatever, camera, whatever it is. I mean, the first, I thought, well, we need something to take up their offering for. Well, I just told myself, you know, she said, well, they got some nice things. I said, we, we can't buy that right now. So what I did is I went down and got some ice cream buckets because I know some about ice cream. <laughs> and I eat that up real quick. I feel good about that. <laughs> and that, that was our two offering buckets. And I'm just believing all the time that the power don't go off. Because when we a little bit past that time, I'm thinking, dear God, let enough money come and pay the power bill in the morning, shh, whatever. And I'm just hoping they don't cut it off. So this couple comes up and I'm laying hands on them. And, and then they start crying. I said, you know, I said, it's okay. So what is it? She says, we haven't been able to rent a, vi a video at Video Express for a while. And we, we don't have nothing for entertainment. <laughs> she said, well, we haven't been able to go out and eat or anything, and, you know, like other people do. And, and you know, she said, just, it just ain't, you know, I just don't, I don't know how to go on. I was thinking, good thing my mama wasn't your mama. <laughs> Can you see the disconnect? Yes. 
Now, the, the, they were young, and so, you know, whatever, and, and I didn't do any of that. You know, I didn't say I wasn't thinking some stuff. So I encouraged them, but they just needed to mature and grow up. Right. See what I'm saying? So sh sh shepherding is not this. Exactly. This is just a small part of it, right? right? What I found out is most people don't want to be pastored. They, they want a pastor. They want to come somewhere. They want to hear a word from God, whatever. But as soon as their idea is different from your idea, they don't want to hear your idea. Right. Th that was your first opportunity to be pastored, and you blew it. Right. That was submission is not always you agreeing. Right. If you was agreeing, why would you have to submit? Exactly. Think about it. Exactly. If, if I agree with you, what am I having to submit to? Nothing. Nothing. That was your first time to submit, and you're blowing it. Paul told Timothy, you are to encourage them, instruct them, do meek and kind as you can. Because, you know, a spoonful of sugar helps the, the medicine go down. But he said, thus, he said, because they're opposing themselves, you are to instruct them in the way that their lives are wrong and be live wrong. Well, who wants to go do that? So I, I just can't wait to get up and go tell them it's wrong. <laughs> Straighten up. I, I don't want a job like that either. I get no pleasure from that whatsoever. But I do care about the end result of the person. And if you give someone directions and you see them going the other way because they're misguided, don't you try to say, no, 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 go this way and get on north. And see if they go the other way. That, that, that's all I'm trying to do. That's all I'm trying to do. Right? Help some people along the way. Are you called to help everyone? No. Are you going to be able to help everyone? No. Will they figure it out? Usually they're going to figure it out. They just got to go around there a few times. But when they go around enough times, they get tired. Yep. And sometimes it's just like a lifeguard. Some people, you got to let them faint and drown a little bit. Because if you go in there to save them while they're still kicking and fighting, they'll take you down both if you'll be dead. So sometimes it's okay. I think it's probably the scripture of just going and let them pass out. <laughs> huh? Michelle and I did that. We went to what, Cancun years ago, and we were young. We knew everything. So we put red flags, go out there, don't, or don't go out there. There's the undertow, and we thought, shit, undertow. Ain't, I'm 21 years old, 20, 22 years old, undertow. Ain't nothing. What's undertow? We went, up, we went through all the flags. Uh, that's just for a bunch of sissies. <laughs> and then I met Mr. Undertow. <laughs> <laughs> Then I knew what undertow was. And guess what he was doing? He was towing under. <laughs> and we were going to, we were leaving. And in my mind, I knew we were leaving. And in my mind, I knew that I, my heart felt like it was about to explode from the dog paddle and trying to pull out of the suction. And she's pulling on me. And, I'm, and I didn't have no one to pull on. And I remember thinking, it's almost over, and it almost, I had this feeling of like, it's, uh, it may be like leaving the earth is like, it was like a sense of peace, and I thought it was all over. And I thought that's, I'm almost through. And I just all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but, <clears throat> well, I do, but I don't know how it happened, but I'm just in a sense of that undertow was released, and we finally came out, I mean, just, just exhausted. <clears throat> so... If I go out to the ocean now, Caribbean anywhere, and they said there's an undertow out there, I said, I ain't going out there, boy. I ain't no. <laughs> I'm not going to be a hero. I'm going to stay out until it says time to. So we have a word from God. We walk out with that word. Now, let me finish right here. Uh, 1 Kings 17, he went there, 
And we'll get into the, the woman of Zarephath later. But uh, he had a word from God. He did not know that he was going to go sustain a widow woman. Right. That wasn't foretold to him. He did not know that he ever called fire down. He did not know later on that this woman that got sustained for a period of about two and a half years, her son would die and he would raise him from the dead. He didn't know that because there had no one been raised from the dead until this boy in Scripture. Can you think of one? There wasn't one. Had anyone ever called fire down? No. So he didn't know all that. Everything that would come later was in the first word, go. All the provision is in the going. In sports, and I know I've said this many times, but it's a good analogy, I think, is when you watch sports, especially football, when they call a play and they're in the huddle and they call the play, and no matter how he's going to do it, the quarterback tells whoever to go out and you know, run this route, run that route, do it this way, do it that way, and I'm going to hit you right there about the 40-yard line. I'm going to hit you right there. The quarterback always throws the ball to the place that you're going to be. He never throws the ball to where you are, but to where you are going to be. So if you just look at him, release the ball, the, the, the receiver may not be, look like he's anywhere near why, where he's throwing the ball. Or why would you throw a ball? There's no one there because he's supposed to be there at the same time the provision is going to get there. The provision was sent to a place in, at, the, at the brook. The provision was going to be there whether Elijah came there or not. Now listen, the provision was going to be there, was going to be there because God told the ravens to go there. They didn't tell, God didn't tell the ravens to find Elijah. Right. God must have gave them some type of grid system and said, go, go drop it off here. So, there, so he wasn't fed or God didn't send provision according to his obedience. God sent provision according to God's goodness. Come on. Elijah received the provision because of, God, because of his obedience to go to the place where God told him to go. That's good. Huh? That's good. You know, that statement we talked about one time, people in the ministry say this sometimes, and I'll, sometimes you've got to watch what people say, and just, we just embrace it because someone said it. They always said, you know, people in ministry say, um, money follows ministry. I can tell you a lot of places money ain't never followed no ministry. <laughs> ministry was out there and <laughs> ain't nothing followed out there. <laughs> yeah, I know you. Money follows you in the ministry where God told you to go. Amen. Just because you in ministry doesn't mean, I, I know a lot of broke people in ministry. Exactly. See what I'm saying? Exactly. So it, it follows you where you're supposed to go. So God sends provision there. He told he told Elijah to leave here because I'm not sending provision where you are here. I'm going to send provision for you there. Exactly. Every one of us have a place in our life called there. Exactly. It came from a knowing in the heart. It came from a word from the Lord. It came from some God that spoke maybe simply a desire in your heart. If you are saved, if you're born again, the number one way, not the only way, the number one way that God will lead you as a Christian is not speaking to you audibly. And I always say, if God uses your first, middle, last name, you probably travel like you was with mama. 
you know, when mama got mad, she, she put your whole names out there. Yeah. And if she was really mad, if you had siblings, she mixed your brothers and sisters up there with her and she called you all of them in one like, like, like that mama mad boy. <laughs> 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 right? When she called me my brother and one of my sister's names mixed up in there, I knew I was in trouble. <laughs> so here's the deal. God's not sending the provision to where you are here. He's sending the provision to a place called there. So the raven went there by the command of God to bring bread and flesh in the morning. And then God fed him again in the evening. Amen. Amen. But it was not here. It was there. Amen. So when you by faith are willing to step out of your boat to go to the other side, there's always going to be a storm in front of you. If there's no storm in front of you, I'm going I'm to feel cheated. Because <laughs> everything he ever told me to do was always a storm. It's like, whoosh. Huh? He said, well, I just thought if it was the will of God, it'd be smooth sailing. Well, then you better quit reading this book. Because <laughs> the people I've been reading after who wrote this book, they had stuff, you know, it was either revival or, or riot all the time. Yep. Hmm? I mean, think about Paul. You say, well, if, you know, if, if, if you're just doing the will of God, it'll just always be peaceful. <laughs> now, you'll have peace in your heart, but it's not always going to be peaceful in your circumstances. Right. You know, everywhere Paul went, they were trying to kill him. That's right. Yes. You know, even when Paul died and he knew how he would die. But Paul said, I'm ready to go. And uh, he said, it's better to be with God than, than, he said, it's better for y'all if I were to stay here. But at the end, he knew it was his time to go and he was going to go. He knew he would be beheaded the next morning and, do, and didn't give a rip. I mean, how would you be today if you knew he was going to be killed and beheaded tomorrow as a martyr for Christ? <laughs> would you be looking for a place to go hide? Right? So the provision didn't come. The protection didn't come. The word of the Lord didn't come to go to Zarephath. God's command to sustain you did not come. The only word that Elijah had in the beginning was go tell Ahab in person yep. and Jezebel. Ain't going to be no more rain until I say this. Wow. And she's, she's been taking your kind off the street for all this time. And you're going to go tell her in person. As soon as he did it, he walked out of the room and said, now go hide over here. Because... <laughs> It's fixed to dry up around here, and they're going to be looking for you. Yep. And, but I've already talked to a raven, and they don't share meat. You know, a raven doesn't give you meat. Amen. Like, <clears throat> we're going to have cake and ice cream in a minute, but don't ask me for none of my ice cream. Get yours. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that raven is going to do So that's supernatural. So he supernaturally, he supernaturally right. fed them. He supernaturally right. protected him. Now, it's not all supernatural. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just doing what God told me to be all supernatural. No, some of it was very natural. God uses the natural and the supernatural. He might tell you to work. See, the, the, the water at the brook had already been there. It had been flowing for thousands of years. But the raven was supernatural. He didn't bring bread and f f flesh in the morning. So sometimes God will have you do a very natural thing that has provision in it to put with the supernatural. He might go tell you, go do this and go do this and go do this. When I went to Raymond, I, I, I wished I could just experience the whole Raymond experience and not have to work. Not because I was lazy, not because I minded working. There was just so much I, thought, I felt like I could learn while I was there. If God was going to have to supernaturally provide anyway, which he was going to have to for me to go, then why not just believe for more? But it wasn't God's plan. He said, go get a job. I said, but I could go to prayer school. I could go to healing school. I could learn how to do this and I could learn how to do that. He said, go get a job. 
I said, yes, Lord. But after the fourth time, I finally figured out he was right. Actually, I didn't figure out he was right. I just knew that's what he was saying. After I went and did what he did, told me to do, and I got this job, I needed that job. Although I hated that job. I hated that job. Hate is a, is a kind word. <laughs> I mean, I stayed in the same business I knew floor covering, but I'd already been like owner of a business, and now I'm working for someone who knows much less than I do. But, but they mess in with my money. And, I'm turn, and people who don't know what they're doing is telling me how to do, and it's affecting me financially. And so I, I lost it one day, and I said, I can't. Look, we can do this and we can do that, and that'll make this happen. I know how to do that. This is why I went to school. This is why I went to work at this place. God was working things in me and out of me. Yes. And I didn't want them all out. <laughs> there might even be some pride in there. I was in a class, Keith Moore's teaching called Submission and Authority. Didn't really like the class. <laughs> So I went to work that day, and this guy walks in, and he says, I don't want y'all to install nothing. I just want to buy this many hundreds of yards of carpet, but I need it by this day. I said, we can, we can do that. I gave him a price he, he'd agree with. I guess I didn't need that anymore. But anyway, I got, I, he, he said, all right, but I got to have it by so-and-so day. So I went and asked my manager, can we get this carpet by so-and-so day? He said, no. And I said, what? He said, our trucks don't go there until the next day. So I went back and told the guy, he says, no, this day or no deal. Well, having owned a little home shop here at home, I know how to get that carpet from there to here. It's going to cost us about $100 more, but we're talking several thousand dollars to y'all and a few hundred dollars commission to me. And so I said, now, Ron, I can get that carpet here. I said, it, it's so easy to get that carpet here, but this is what we're going to have to do. He said, no, we're not doing it. And I said, but... <laughs> the guy's going to walk. He says, well, he, he walked in. I said, but the store's going to lose the whole deal, and I'm going to lose all my commission. Uh, we have a system. I said, I, I, I know, but I know, I know the man's name at the mill. He's a friend of mine. I'll call him. His only purpose in life today would be fulfill what I asked him to do. That's his only purpose in life. <laughs> I was going to call him up. I can almost give him my account number. I still remember it at home. Which I thought was a good idea too sometimes. But anyway, he said, <clears throat> he said uh, I said, this is just nuts. That we're we're going to lose all these thousands of dollars and I'm going to lose all commission because we can't break a rule. We can't even whatever. He says, come here. <laughs> and I'm like, come, come where? So uh, he said, what, what's, what's the name of that carpet store that, that you owned in Alabama? I said, uh, Carpet Village. He said, come we went outside. He said, well, what's that say? I said, Carpet City. He said, oh, so it ain't Carpet Village. <laughs> come, come, come here, baby. You know how much commission I made? No. Zero. I needed that commission. Look at my checkbook. You knew I needed that commission. Now, I, I still don't agree with them totally. Well, let's be honest, I'm agreeing with none. Zero, zero. zero. <laughs> That's just as dumb as you can get. 
make one phone call. We're not even going to put it in. Hey, forget the regular route. They got a uh, so-and-so truck guy will be there. Give it to an expediter. The expediter give it to Jim. He's the expediter. It'll be on so-and-so. Change it, whatever. We're going to make some money. No, we, 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 we can't make no money. We, do. we ain't business to make friends. <laughs> so I felt trapped for two years. You know what I learned? That God's wiser and smarter than me. I, I, I found out that, that, that God's my source and not people and not any company. I found out that God's my source and not my ability to work things out and make deals and do things, and uh, I'm, I can do this, boy. You just give it to me, boy. I do that. I get this thing done, boy. I know how to do it. That's a good word. And God just puts you out there, you know. And good word. So all that little pride, and I'm in charge, and I can show you how to do this thing. I didn't sense that was any part of that, but all that was in there. Wow. So for me, it wasn't a a class at home to take on a computer. I had to be out there and mingle with them fine folks. So I went from there, I got, I got mad at that, and I, I quit. <laughs> and a guy said, won't you just come over here and be a custodian? He said, still had to worry about all that stuff. He said, well, I, make same, I bet I make the same money you do. I said, I'm gonna do, I quit. I went to be a custodian. I said, how hard could that be? <laughs> Instead of going to work every day and all these problems on my desk, it wasn't stalled or did this, messed somebody's house up and all that, and fires to put out, and I've only got five hours to sell, make some money. I said, I'll do that. So they put me on my little thing and they trained me for a little while, and I thought, sweeping and mopping ain't no big deal. I can do this. I work from 3 30 to 11 30 at night, <clears throat> you know, and go home and then do my school work after that, and get up at six and go to school. I'll do that for two years. I'm too tired to come church. <laughs> Weenie. So I went down there and uh, I went out there to, to do that. And then they, um, I said, uh, he said, now this is going to be your run. I said, okay. I said, what's a run? <laughs> what, what's a run? <laughs> he meant this is my building. These are my classrooms. This is this. And then we'll stop at... Uh, at seven o'clock or eight o'clock and have supper together. But this, this would be your run, Wes, to go do this. You got these 28 classrooms and all these bathrooms and all that. And then <clears throat> you're on probation, so we'll be checking you, you know, with a white glove. Checking me, you pay me six something now, you checking me. <laughs> with, with a white glove. Yeah, okay, I can do it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> man, I went from selling to showing up working. I was eating like two horses. I mopped 800-foot hallways every night. I got on a buffer, and that thing, I didn't run it, it run me. It threw me from one side of the hall to the other. <laughs> you know how I'm talking about if you don't know how to run? It's like, <laughs> it's the other way. Back and forth. <clears throat> In five weeks, I lost 28 pounds eating like a horse, sweating it off. But I knew what a run was. <laughs> that second week. The second week I was there, it's thundering and lightning. So every, this is a, this is a school, a junior and senior with 2,000 people, just junior and seniors. Nice school. Oklahoma has some money. So you got to go out there in front of your building and pick up trash every day. So I thought, well, so I asked him, I said, can I just go do this until the thunder and lightning is gone? 
Because, I mean, it, 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 when I say coming down, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Coming down. People with sense will be told to get off the ropes. Yeah. He said, no, you go, you go get it now. I said, <laughs> I said, but can I just gather the trash inside till it passes over? He says, you can go out there uh, and get it now or you can go home. I'm 30-something years old. I'm thinking, oh, no, you did? <laughs> I'm like, you see what I'm saying? I'm going to do it. Can I just do this while it's raining? Can you all see that? He said, no, you can do what I told you to or you can get out. So I was out there picking up trash. And you got to go in the front ditch of the school, and, and the rain had already come up to my calves. Now, when I got through it, it quit raining. <laughs> but while I was out there, I was thinking, I own a carpet store in Alabama. <laughs> I basically owned it. I know how to run it. I ain't got to be here. I have options. I can do stuff. Then after eight weeks, he tells me, he says, well, Wes, you, you're a pretty good cleaner. I said, my mama taught me that. So he said, you passed. I thought, well, man, I, I, passed, uh, I passed being a, a janitor. How about that? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I am now the official custodian. <clears throat> you know what I found out two weeks later? My wife was pregnant, which is what we was always believing for. <laughs> Four kids in Bible school, six dollars something an hour. Oh, happy day! <laughs> wow, painted picture. Had I not been at a, a custodian. Uh, and picking up trash in the, in the lightning and hailstorms. I found out now that I'd passed, I was available for insurance, which would never have been at the other place as a salesman. Wow. And I said, he said, well, now, well, this is available to you. Schools have really good insurance. And he says, so you got this, this, and this. I said, man, I wish I, wish I had been here weeks ago. I said, why? I said, well, my wife's pregnant. He said, well, well we got pregnant. This, one, this one's got uh, covers the, you know, pregnancy. I said, no, she's already pregnant. He said, no, that don't matter. I said, so what? I said, no, I'm talking about, dude, we, we, we ended this a couple months. He says, it doesn't matter. He said, you're covered. I said, I'm covered? Man, I was the better cleaner that night. <laughs> Man of faith and power. Huh? So what are you going to do with your word from God? Because it's designed to take you somewhere that you've never been. But if you don't think it has some twists and turns in it, you haven't left dock yet. But I'm telling you, the rewards is worth the risk. And it's, and it's worth anything that you have to go through and walk out. Because it's just for you. And when you get there, you're going to be so happy. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. It's going to be so happy. So you can play it safe. 
You can be like one of the disciples in the boat. Don't, don't you know all of them when Peter did walk, they said, you know, we, we were just about to do that. And you walked out. We didn't want too many of us out there. <laughs> no, but Peter walked. And as that old saying is, I'd rather be, a, even if I make a mistake and fail, I'd rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat rider. Amen. Wow. Emily, why don't you come let us pray over you, dear. Y'all stand, if you will, change your position. You know, you look just like that girl right there. <laughs> well, we're going to miss her. And if they make you pick up paper in the lightning, no, nah, I'm going to come out there. That's okay for a boy, but not for you. <clears throat> I believe that she has a call. No, she does. And this is just her next step. And uh, where she'll, she'll receive the, uh, the provision and everything needed necessary to, to go to the next step. You know, taking a step and leaving home, you've never been really away from home. I mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I find out you have light bills there and mortgages there and all kind of stuff. So we're, we want to be a blessing to her as she goes out and does that. And the next step, help her <clears throat> in the provision as she goes. But bigger than that, <clears throat> bigger than that, we just want you to know that we, we love you. That you're, um, you know, she's been here since, like Michelle said, she was basically born here, not in this building, but I'm just saying she was been with us since birth. And uh, so we're, uh, we're happy and sad, happy for you and sad for us. But you're going to go in the, with, uh, with the blessing and God's hand's going to be upon you. Okay. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, y'all stretch your hand out toward it. Father, we just thank you for Emily. We thank you, Lord, for her life. We thank you, Lord, for the special young woman that she is. Father, we know that you've put this in her heart. We know that she's just following you. We know that she's following the desire that you have in her heart, Father God, to, to be one who goes out into the world and reaches the, the gospel or reaches the world with the good news. We thank you, Lord, that, you, that where you are sending her there, she will have guidance there and she will have protection there and she will have provision there. And she will have the peace in her heart there that's needed each and every day to walk this new adventure out in you. Father, we just bless you. Thank you. We thank you for her. We, we thank you, Lord, that each and every day, Father God, that, that she is enlightened and that she is guided and you order her footsteps each and every way along her path. And we, Father, we just rejoice. We just rejoice. We rejoice in you, you and we rejoice, Father God, that everything is going to turn out amazing. Yes. And we just give you praise for it in Jesus' in name. Jesus name. Amen. 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 I want to give you all an opportunity to, to sow. If you will, just um, make there, if you're making a check out, Grace Life Church. If you, if you want to give by the, uh, the, uh, Zipping your card out there on the square, you can do that. Just let us know so they won't get mingled together. I think you already know this, but just to let you know there's a, isn't there something, Michelle, some piece of paper out there that you can tell us what you gave on the square? Yes. And just, so I'm just saying, if you're going to do it that way, then just say, Emily, whatever, you know, $10,000, whatever, Hallie. So, um, so we'll know what part is hers. If you uh, just completely forgot about it, but you're not in position to today, I mean, we're still going to be here Wednesday. 
and uh, you can do that. And we'll get a forwarding address from her pretty soon as she has that. And uh, if you want to uh, partner with her with what she's doing. So we're excited about that. We have some, have a meal. Matt and Julius brought a meal. And there's some cake and ice cream. So if you can, don't run off. We'll have a good time with her, celebrate with her. Y'all ready? Father, we just thank you, Lord, that there's the there for all of us. And there's a way to go from here to there. And you've already provided it. You've already been through every step. You, you know every crook and every turn. We just thank you, Lord, that you're guiding each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord, that our footsteps are ordered of you. We thank you, Lord, there's provision. And as we sow today, Father God, we sow into to, uh, Emily's future. We sow into her their place. And I thank you as the people sow into their place, it comes back here. And it comes into their lives. And there's increase in our lives as, there, as there's increase in her life. And we just give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.